This episode of Cool Moms is sponsored by Lalo. Not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. 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 Hey, cool moms, and welcome back to season three. Damn, can y'all believe it's season three of Cool Moms? And it is just in time for spooky season. (laughs) It's also just in time because my depression is over for now. Um, It has been a really interesting couple of years. I can't believe we're still talking about the pandemic at the end of what? 2021. And I'm not going to lie. I think that I thought that I was like absolved in some weird way of not really feeling affected um, by all of the mania going on, mainly because like, I like being at home. I like being in my house. I like only seeing a small handful of people and having a really reasonable excuse to like not link up. But listen, I am working at home. I am sleeping at home. I am raising my child at home. I am cooking at home. I'm crying at home. I am also not having sex at home. So I, I'm tired y'all. And I think that that compounded with the fact that I have really been in the thick of work from home corporate life has put me into a bit of a depression. You know, sometimes you just got to call a spade a spade. I I think I've been like telling my friends, I've been in like this weird anxiety funk, but like, honestly, it was kind of depression. Um, I am in therapy. I think I told you that last episode. So, you know, we are on upswing, but I know that a lot of what has caused me to be in this really unfamiliar territory of being really unsure of myself and, lacking confidence and uh, quite honestly, like almost just not really recognizing myself um, literally and metaphorically is due in part to my fucking job. I have, I don't think that I've ever kind of had to exist in a space where I have felt so disenfranchised and I've questioned my own capabilities. Uh, You know, I have like, a random white woman in middle America (laughs) telling me I have a typo and a DM like this shit is just maddening. (sighs) Okay, hold on. Let me, let me just back up. I work for this wellness company and I am the only black woman in the company. Okay. Red flag. You know, we've been seeing red flags on Instagram, red flag. There is another black woman that works there, but she is like a, a first generation American. And For those of you who are not privy, like there's a lot of nuance in being black and being black American is a very different experience than being a first generation black person living in America. And a lot of that divide comes from. We just don't see each other in a lot of ways because we're culturally different. We're coming from a different cultural perspective. I also think that, quite frankly, white people see us differently because black folks, you know, are always kind of going to be not relegated to, but tied to slavery. And people like Barack Obama and Kamala Harris and these figures that have been, these black figures that have been exalted um, in mainstream US media have that privilege to do so because they have a disassociation with slavery. 
And that's like to get deep, but yeah, cause it just is deep. So I'm essentially the only, I am the only black American woman at work. And what I have found in these spaces that I've heard these stories of, of what corporate passive aggressive and microaggressions are, but it's a lot different actually living it every day and constantly having your thoughts questioned or even the good work that I've been doing and the incredible ideas and network that I've brought to this job, just not getting the credit that I deserve, quite honestly. Like, you know, one of my love languages is words of affirmation. Like, tell me, I know I'm doing a good job, but shit, just tell me I'm doing a good job. So when you're constantly working and no one is saying, hey, that was great, thank you, but instead you're getting nitpicked about did you leave a heart on somebody's Instagram comment it is really demoralizing um and so at this point you know because my brain is not being utilized in the most efficient way and the best way that it possibly can um I've just become resentful and I hate everybody there And I, I'm saying this because obviously I just, I'm taking back my autonomy. Like I don't belong to anyone. You don't own my time. You don't own my thoughts. You don't own my energy. But also hopefully by the time this episode uh, goes live, I won't be working there. Cause trust me, mama always got an exit plan. I'm one foot out the door and thank God for Sergeant because being a mother has really Um, anchored me in a sense of obviously like responsibility. And I needed this. I needed to know how to work through and push through something and understand the value in a difficult situation. Now, I'm not one of those people that thinks that like, you got to go through hard shit in order to learn something. But I also believe that everything is a lesson. So I've been working out with my therapist, what have been the lessons and really how to unfuck my boundaries Um, so yeah, that's, this has been, to say the least, a really trying, but illuminating time where I honestly have felt kind of broken down. And now I am learning how to build myself back up. And in that it really put back focus on what is my purpose? What am I here to do? I'm I'm here to build community in a, in a genuine and thoughtful way, which is why I'm always so grateful to my Cool Moms community and this outlet and this platform and also the people that it's allowed me to connect to. But most importantly, that it really allows me to connect back to myself and to remember what is real and what is true. So my hope in continuing to do Cool Moms is that I, I stay connected to that purpose, but also that you all understand the value and what is real and what is true to you. So group hug. Okay. Uh, (laughs) um, Also, what is real and what is true is that I'm 33 years old now. I celebrated my birthday and I'm telling y'all this because if you have been listening, then know that this is the last time I'm gonna tell y'all how old I am. I'm staying here. So if you wanna know and be nosy, keep up. Um, and in 33, my Jesus year, so to speak, my Scotty Pippen year, I was like, all right, I'm feeling kind of funky. I'm looking kind of funky. How do I get back? I don't even want to say back to, because like, what is my new iteration of being my best self and being the bad bitch that I know that I am? 
And Bad Bitch really started with bundles. Bundles as in, I went ahead and invested in some 22-inch kinky straight Peruvian virgin hair, y'all. Yes, I have bundles. She moves to LA. She gets a car. She gets bundles. She gets a house. I'm feeling my beat. And I don't even know who I am, but I really like this person that I'm becoming. Um, I I feel like my my most femme, uh, mature, but very sexy self. So honestly, I've been having a really good time. And also kind of a hard time figuring out how to do my hair and how I look. Why do we keep doing that? Like, it's going this way. Like, no, I'm, I'm trying to straighten it down. And she going like, whoop, like, no, go do. Uh, this feels like... <laughs> this feels like when I was in middle school and I would have to curl my hair with a flat iron and it will always look puffy. So I would just put a headband on it. Um, I, I, I'm tapping back into her and I'm trying to unlearn her trauma. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned. I have been recounting some of this process on my TikTok because, oh my God, yes. At 33, I was like, I'm not going to feel old. I'm getting on TikTok. I'm getting over myself and I'm doing it. So I have a personal TikTok account. I mean, y'all can go find it. I'm on there, honestly, low key. I'm on demon time, y'all. I'm just, I'm being myself. I'm being silly. I'm being hot. I'm excited, but I'm also starting a TikTok or I started a TikTok account for cool moms. And I'm actually really looking forward to kind of exploring what this platform brings out of me and my creativity. Um, I'm especially looking forward to sharing more about what my day-to-day looks like, sharing more about the spaces and places that I go that really help facilitate a good time for me and Sargent. And hopefully, you know, bring light to some really awesome, especially small businesses within the LA area and beyond. So y'all go follow us on TikTok at Talk Cool Moms, same as on Instagram. We'll be on there doing all the cute stuff. I'm just really excited to be back with y'all, to be building community, to continue to talk my shit and to connect with these really dynamic mothers. Up next is co-owner of Union Los Angeles and founder of Beffy Beauty Supply, Beth Burkett. I feel like I say this from most of my episodes and I'm very excited to talk to this person, which I genuinely am, but I am so excited to be talking to Beth Gibbs, founder of Beffy Beauty Supply, and quite frankly, all of your favorites, favorite person. Beth, welcome to Cool Moms again. (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me again, Elise. Always a pleasure. Um, By the way, it's Beth Burkett and not Gibbs. I've never, um, we're still married. But um, but I kept my I kept my name and uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm going to I'm going to blame my cool mom's producer who led me astray. um, No, you know what? It's confusing because um, sometimes I do say Beth Gibbs, but now I'm like Beth Burkett. Like there's no Gibbs. There's no Beth Burkett Gibbs. Okay. And we're going to get into that later because things are uh, bubbling and it's like, let's get it straight so it can be straight across the board. Exactly. Yes. So um, for those of you who don't know, which is probably most people listening, uh, we had 
uh, Beth on Cool Moms back in 2019, which seems odd to say. Wow, Wow. right? Right. Um, In a really incredible, um, intimate live event that happened here in Los Angeles that you know, if you if you were there, you were there. If you missed it, you missed it. So we had to bring Beth back because you're just full of so much uh, wisdom and amazing energy and really are truly a visionary. And so I'm just like, we've got to have you um, in your proper capacity for your own episode. So um, <laughs> um, I would love to kind of start a bit at the beginning. And by the beginning, I mean New York. And I want to talk about some of your early years working in fashion in New York um, and what that time was like for you. And if you thought that fashion was even going to be your trajectory. Um, Wow. Well, um, I, I was always into fashion and it was always, um, you know, I was into fashion magazines. I was all about it until I, um, I went to Parsons new school and I had a couple internships for some magazines in fashion and I didn't love it. I did not love the experience. Um, (laughs) you know, I did like, I mean, I ended up, that's how I started styling is, um, you know, a lot of the editors that, um, I worked with, I started assisting, but, um, but I really, I actually, after interning in the fashion industry, I decided music was where, I mean, I just kind of ended up there. I don't think, Mm. um, whenever you try to plan something, it never works out. And it's not because it's not, you know, you shouldn't try to plan, but it's just, that's not how life goes. Right. Absolutely. So um, all of the happy accidents, I have not planned, including my children. So (laughs) they're the best ones, like all the best things that could have ever happened to me. I did not plan. So props Mm. to Noah being okay with not having a plan or, um, the plan not going out how or coming to be how you thought it would. Mm -hmm. Um, So yes, fashion. um, I didn't love, I didn't, it was just very, um, it just felt very clicky and Mm -hmm. something I've never been into is like sororities, fraternities, like, I've just been, you know, I'm a free spirit. I always have been. um, And it didn't, I didn't get that feeling from working in fashion. And there wasn't, uh uh-huh. No, no, go ahead. And there wasn't a lot of, you know, black people. There weren't, I mean, I was lucky enough. I got to work with um, a black woman when I was at Mirabella magazine, which is like defunct, but people that have been in fashion for a long time know the magazine. Um, this woman, Darlene Gilliard Jones, I had the opportunity to work with and she was great, but, you know, and even now when you look at the fashion industry, there's like the ceiling for how you move up in fashion is even lower for black women or black people. I mean, right. now, like, 
only since like the summer George Floyd. Now they're acting so <laughs> literally, gonna literally. Oh yeah, you want to be in fashion? Oh yeah, let's like. But still, I mean, they only kind of use us as decoration. We're the model. Mm-hmm. Where um, and even when we have some kind of um, some kind of collaboration, we're still their models. We're still their their diversity council. And I guess it was just like the blatant racism. I just was like, I'll never be. Yeah. And and a lot of the black and no shade to the black people who are in fashion. But especially when I was coming up, most of them are weren't the nicest people like they Mm. ended up. I mean, and, and I don't think they were. I think that's something that happens to you after being in an industry exactly. where you're having to fight, you know, for exactly. your place, where you're just proving yourself. It just uh, it just makes you a little cold and um, and especially towards other black people, because it's really set up for just one. Because, you know, it's like, girl, I can't bring you in because that means I'm yeah. kicking myself out. So. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I totally understand. There is um yeah. there's there's so much there that one resonates with me and also I feel I didn't realize that we had m- even more parallels in life. Uh mm-hmm. like I went to Parsons, I mm-hmm. studied graphic design. Mm-hmm. I hated it. I hated it. I was like, everybody here wants to like work at an agency and work and die. And I was like, I just want to like design album covers Mm -hmm. and do really cool, interesting projects like that. Um, So I dropped out. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And again, a happy accident ended up working in music, ended up working as a music editor and, you know, down the line was able to put to use um, some of my knowledge in graphic design, super handy, but yeah, I, I love those ideas of happy, happy accidents. But I think also the root of that is really about being a free spirit and being able to really trust your intuition and trust yourself mm-hmm. and know when something isn't right outside of the optics of it. How totally. is it supposed to be? How is it supposed to look? People are expecting me or I'm expecting myself to be doing this thing because this is the path that I've put mm-hmm. myself on, which also you know, doesn't give you any wiggle room for those beautiful mistakes um, yep. that end up working out for you. So you're in New York. At what point did you make the transition and why? Why did we jump ship? Because you're one of, I I mean, now we know everyone leaves New York to come to LA. Y'all do. I did it. (laughs) I still feel early and I did it two years ago. But you really uh, set the trail for us (laughs) to know that you can be black and creative and get it popping in LA. What 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 really prompted that transition? Um, well, it was two things. It was, um, you know, I I wanted to be a filmmaker, and uh, I had an op- opportunity to come out here and um, to come to Los Angeles and work on a documentary with a good friend of mine. Um, I was an associate producer, and while I was out here. I um, and mind you, I was working in the music industry before I made that decision, and I had gotten laid off. I was working for Arista Records, and there that was like horrible. 
was like sexually harassed. Like there was just, it was uh, horrible, but it was a lot. It was like a huge, um, like I learned a lot from that. That was probably one of the hardest times I think in my life. Mm. Um, but was it because yeah. of, because of being an heiress that made it difficult or were there like other factors at that time that were contributing to that? Being that made it difficult to be in New York or yeah, be, that you, saying that that was like one of the most uh, horrible no, times. No, I mean, that was one of the things, but you know, New York just started feeling very small. Mm. Um, at this point I was, um, I was what, like, I'm definitely, I'm old. So I was like 20. Stop. <laughs> I think I was like okay. 27. And, um, and I know a lot of, older people at that time were like, you know, 28, 27, 28 are, you know, is one of the hardest times for a lot of women, you know, it's like, that's your Saturn return. If you're into that kind of kooky stuff, that's that's Saturn. Yeah. I didn't know that, but yeah, it was crazy. So it was a combination of just the music industry. I was just over it. And then New York felt very small and not just New York, the whole East coast. It's Mm. like, I would go to Miami and I would run into the same group of people. I would go to Boston and I would, you know, and I just like, oh my God. And, and on top of that, I found out I was pregnant with my son, Solomon. Hmm. And I was like, I really don't want to be pregnant and in New York. Like I just, I just, I don't want to have a child. And I mean, I think I just really didn't want to be pregnant in New York. It was really like, I still had one of those like dysfunctional relationships with New York where, you know, um, I still loved it, but hated it, but it just started feeling Mm -hmm. all, it was just like, you know, and, and now in retrospect, New York being small is just, you know, there's only a handful of black and brown creatives, right? um that have opportunities and they all fall in these spaces and that's why we're all there and (laughs) you know and so it's like oh that's what it is because when I moved to LA (laughs) you know um yes there weren't as many of us but it's because it was so much harder in LA especially when I got to LA um when was this what like around what year is this so this was 2000, someone was born 2004. So it was like 2003. Okay. Yeah. We yeah. talking real, real pioneer. 2003. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 2003. Yeah. And, um, and then it was just really Hollywood was the only industry here. And I, Hollywood is also really racist, if not mm-hmm. more. And right. so I had to really start over again um, I started working in production, but I worked for my friend. So I had worked at MTV prior. I was an executive. I wasn't an assistant. I was like, had a, um, a management position. Yes. I oversaw, you know, music videos. And then I'm, when I moved to LA, I, you know, worked on my friend's documentary. And when that was done, I was doing, um, like I had to PA. And so it was just like mm. huge ego. Wait, and I was what? And I was pregnant. Oh, <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so it was just like the whole thing was just pretty devastating for me. It was it was really Absolutely. about my ego. And so but the learning part was not to rely on your ego because I learned so much in those mm-hmm. years. 
when I was like failing, or at least I felt like I was failing. Right. You know, uh. it was like, you know, things happened kind of fast for me when I was young. And then it was like late twenties. It was like, it was just treading water. It was like, ah, oh, and then being a mom. So it was like just a lot of new experiences and it just made it really challenging, but it also made me super like who I am now. <laughs> uh, yes. And oh my gosh, yeah. Beth, I mean, that, that touched on so many things, but also, you know, that ego, the ego will be the death of you. Um, yeah. Although I can't say, I don't know anyone, at least not in my circle, that wouldn't be like, what the hell I'm having to PA now? Um, just like when well, life- I had to PA for people. So like when I was at MTV, the people like, you know, there was MTV was so big. There were people in New York and then people in LA. So I had to like send calendars. I had to hand out calendars to like my peers. It used to be my peers. Stop. You know, in the LA office. And it was like, they were like, what are you doing here? Like what's happening? What's going on? And I had too much pride to like, I mean, obviously most people would have reached out to those people and been like, oh, hey, but I just, I had too much pride. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> At a time in life, I totally would not have. And that makes me think a lot about my transition to LA. And, you know, very similarly, early 20s, mid, especially mid 20s, things started to really bubble for me. I started to really understand how to navigate the creative New York world. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, jobs are coming in. I'm like, okay, this is cute. I mean, I was still very broke, but Mm. optics wise, things were looking cute. (laughs) Checks were starting to slowly flow in. And then I got pregnant. Same. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to stay in New York as like a single parent with a baby. This, this isn't going to work for me. I've got to make a real life decision here. Got an opportunity in LA and which was great to get us on our our feet on the ground. And then I would say probably around the time that I met you, 2019, Mm. it was tough. Mm. Like that first year in LA was really humbling. And I think a lot of it has to do with uh, one, because you're right, the black creative scene is really, really small, but also you know, LA is so fragmented. So you really got to make a concerted effort to get out and see people and network and make sure people remember your face. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Especially. Yes. Right. Right. So I, yeah, I also had gotten like fat and I was sad and all the things. I mean, not to harp on the, the fat thing. And, and I mean, I say fat loosely, whatever oh, my version of fat is. Fat? Was that a real thing? I thought. No, no, no. That was a real thing. That was a real thing. Okay. I was sad. I was bald. I had gained weight and didn't realize it until like, <laughs> until I realized it. Girl. <laughs> and, <laughs> so yeah, that did happen. But you know what? 2020 was challenging for us, but 2020 got my ass together. Okay. Literally and figuratively. Yeah. So it's okay. We bounced back. Um, anyways, I'm, but I I'm, told that cause I gained a lot of weight too. When you moved to LA. Well, just being pregnant. Oh, right. Then well, you had already, you already had Sergeant. So <laughs> yes, it was, it was on me. So I was real. I gained like, 
Like, I think I got to like 170 pounds. I could barely breathe. I was just like, I was unrecognizable. Stop. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. But I understand that like feeling of being unrecognizable really to yourself more than anything. It's like, what, who am I? What's happening? Um, yeah. Yes. How but my mom didn't like me either. So I was like, oh, <laughs> She was like that. She was like calling me, and I was like right there. Sitting <laughs> 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 on oh. mom, stop. <laughs> anyway, wait. What did you do? What What helped you get back to yourself? In terms of weight, or I mean, just in terms of feeling. Like, how did you start to feel like yourself again after having Solomon? It took me a long time because. Uh, because it was about my son and then it was about Chris and I and our new relationship and our new like life in LA. And it was like a big hustle, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I I really forgot about myself for a long time. I, you know, I was fine with, with actually moving the attention off of myself and putting it on other people but then I, I, you know, I would have moments where, yeah, I was, I think I was depressed for a minute. Yeah. Because I was like, who, who am I? You guys know my son, Sergeant, is a toddler now, and I pretty much do anything to get him to sit still, even just for a few minutes, especially when I'm trying to get work done, record an episode, you know, the work from home drill. So the other day when I saw him coloring and reading in peace at his play table, I was shocked. I felt like I needed to come on here and tell you guys about the brand that makes his little setup. Lalo, which by the way is an acronym that stands for Love All Little Ones, is a brand I've been a fan of for a while now. It was founded by two dads and it really shows because they get what it's like to have like the best interests of your child in mind while still keeping style and identity beyond being a parent. Lalo makes products that are proud to own by putting the same care into every design as parents do into raising their little ones. Believe me when I tell you that their products are amazing. There's no doubt that if Sargent was still using a high chair, it would definitely be Lalo's. One of my favorite parts about it is that the Lalo high chair can convert into the same play chair that we use every day and it pairs perfectly with their very, very cute play table. So that's Little Sergeant's setup right now. All of Lalo's stuff is well-designed, beautiful, and made with completely non-toxic materials. I've had the play kit for like two years now and it still looks good. The best part is that Lala hooked up Cool Moms with a special offer you already know, so you guys can use the code COOLMOMS, all one word, for 15% off your first order on meetlalo.com. And trust me, trust me, you need to check out Lalo. I'm also working on a little something that I'm really excited about in partnership with the brand, so please stay tuned. You know, it it makes me think about that. That's like a, a rolls right into my next question, which is has a lot to do with branding, but also identity and personal identity with brand identity. And was it this conscious choice to have yourself kind of separate from Chris branding wise? Um, and then that doubled with 
was it a conscious choice initially when you when you became Beffy Beauty Supplier, even before then, um, on whether or not you were going to be the face of your own brand if you wanted to be the brand? Yes, honestly, that was a thing that Chris and I even struggled with. I'm about to put our business out there, but like, um, so, you know, a lot of this, you know, I had helped with obviously, but being, right. you, know, you know, like a mom and people just assumed I wasn't really involved. And I wasn't this, I wasn't involved, especially when the kid, when Solomon was younger and then I had Ishmael. So it was definitely a conscious choice for me to make it about me um, Chris had been wanting to like not do a woman's line, but he wanted to bring in women's mm-hmm. um, as a bot, you know, for union. And I was like, oh, uh-uh, we're not doing this without me, <laughs> <Okay>. you know, <laughs> and yes. was just like, no, hell nah, you know? And so, yeah. yes. So it was very, yes. had to, at first I didn't want it to be about me, but I wanted it to be about, I wanted it to be from a woman's perspective. Right. Because I was just tired of, you know, I was just tired of, you know, being this in this world, which I had felt like I had become invisible. Mm-hmm. And, and then it was just like a bunch of dudes that were basically saying like, oh, this this girl is streetwear or this is streetwear. It was just all about it was all from a male's perspective. Um, and it was always like the hottest girl. And it was just like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. And and no, you know, no shade to, you know, being a hot girl. Like, I think that's great. Um, but but. That hot girl doesn't even have control over her image necessarily, even if she thinks she does. Um, (laughs) So I was like, no, I have to I have to speak up. I have to do something. And it hasn't been easy. What were some of the challenges that came up um, for you in that transition before launching Buffy Beauty Supply in in like May of 2020? Um. Yeah, uh, there were a lot. I mean, first of all, I had to, I had to make money, which I, I <laughs> Step did one brand, you know, and, uh, and I was working a lot, styling, um, doing wardrobe, costume design. Um, but then I didn't have any time. I didn't have any time just like creatively, you know? And so I had done a couple things like I had, I did complex con like under Beffy, but it was really hard for me to really figure out my plan because here I am a mom. I have jobs. I'm, I'm still very much a part of union, you know, working that, that was one of my jobs, um, you know, holding down this business. So it was like, I didn't have any time for myself, let alone like this whole new baby, which was like, you know, a brand. Um, and, it, you know, and it was really intimidating, um, you know, being like, especially with Union, you know, having access to some of the most, you know, some really cool brands and yeah. to be able to do it myself was, you know, and and knowing what even 
why those brands are successful. Like I, 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 I have a big idea um, and that's why I wanted to do it. But knowing I didn't really have like the time or the money, um, it's a lot being a creative director um, of some, you know, of your own brand. I mean, most designers have their own brand and then work for someone else as well. So I definitely wasn't special. Um, I just didn't have as much capital. Right. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and what what did your workarounds look like that? Because I think that's probably, you know, nine out of 10 folks who are entrepreneurs who have a big idea are sitting at the struggle of how do I raise the capital to support my idea? Um, and really give it its proper foundation. What did that look like for you? I mean, honestly, it was, that's why it happened. It really was birthed out of COVID. It was like actually not caring about any of that and just going for it Mm, (laughs) and figuring that out because I definitely was like, I don't want to say I was overthinking it because it's real, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But, uh, but Beth, but you also, it, I know you're a Virgo, so I would like to just lean into the fact that you probably did overthink it a little bit. Oh, of course I did. <laughs> as I do everything. Yeah. Yes, I definitely overthought it. And then I think COVID just, you know, with everything going on, it kind of felt like the end of the world anyway. So it was like, fuck it, you know? What yeah. do I have to lose? Yeah, because I, to- I totally was like, wait. I obviously I know Buffy Beauty Supply, but I didn't really put put it together that you launched during COVID and start, until I started looking at the timeline. And I'm like, wait, did she plan this? Did you have to pivot your business model? But now it's just sounding like you were like, fuck it. What, what else are we going to do? Yeah. And yeah, and that's why I have this strong ethos around just like community and women. Um. Because I I didn't want it to be about, like, I didn't even know, like, how is anybody selling clothes right now, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, So it it was about this bigger thing, which was just creating a a community and, um, and just really helping each other. And it was more about, like, just almost creating work for each other, you know? Um, And you've done that so beautifully. I mean, when you, when you look at the folks that you've curated um, who are part of this, like Buffy beauty supply community and beyond, you've got, you know, artists and co-founder of underground museum, Karan Davis, you've got, you know, mama and co-founder of Noah clothing, uh, Estelle Bailey Babenzine. And then that, also amplifying folks that are like on your team, like Kayla Cornelius and her mother, which is really beautiful to see. What, what does that process look like when you're thinking about who do I want to be featuring? Who do I want to be collaborating with? I mean, I really, the process is, I really want to uplift other really dope black women because you know, that that's what they all say, right? Is that where are they? Why can't we find any black women creative? <laughs> okay. You know? um, but the problem lies, you know, especially in the day and age that we're in, like everybody has a platform, right? Right. And um, even a lot of dope black women have platforms 
And we live in this society where it's very individualistic, mm-hmm. which is great, but we really, we do need each other. And I think that's the hardest part is trying to, like, I'm not trying to like, it's not about helping other women like, oh, you need my help. What can you do without my help? But it's like literally like the community I came out of, whether it was like, you know, when I worked in the music industry at Def Jam or, you know, even streetwear, how we acquired Union, you know, was from the people we worked were, worked with who were our friends, who became our friends, who became our community, our family. You know, when, when Chris did moved to LA with me, you know, I, I helped him get a couple jobs like in production, but ultimately it was Eddie Cruz that was like, come and work at union, come work back at union, you know? And then the union was sold to us and everything was done through our community. And it's not that we can't do things ourselves, but there's power in numbers. And even the reason why all of the stores that we've been a part of union, Supreme even, um, you know, undefeated fear of God. Like we're all friends. We're all part of like, we all love working with each other. And I think it's, it's unfortunately been a lot of men and there's not a lot of women that have that mentality. And Mm -hmm. that's been the struggle is trying to convince other women, like, no girl, you need me too. Like you might have like more (laughs) followers than me even, but like, us together or us as a team with a bunch of other dope women makes us more powerful than you by yourself, you know? And, um, and I think it's really hard for a lot of women to understand that because they've never, there's not a lot of examples of women that have exactly, you know, because we've been living in, I mean, because we live in the patriarchy and (laughs) when you're talking about create creative industry, when you're talking about fashion, especially when you're talking about streetwear, I mean, it's like who again, it's it's that mentality of like it's only so many, you know, proverbial seats at the table. Girl, I can't you know, I'm scared to let you in because what if they want to kick me out? But we all know that that's not the case at this point. So I think it's just so powerful to have that visual and see how you've been able to, you and Chris have been able to galvanize community in such an authentic, beautiful way. I mean, if you are, I mean, if you are a creative person, period, you are, you know, Beth is a person to watch, but especially if you are a black creative living in Los Angeles seek, seek these folks out. This is like, I, I knew when I moved to LA, there was a couple of names, you know, my, my, my lovely producer at Cool Moms is like, girl, Beth is a, is a woman to know. That's a, that's a woman that, that has a trajectory that you strive toward, you know, connect, reach out. Um, and so, so glad that, that we're here because you're right. And yet you ain't going to make it nowhere without a community, but damn, LA is definitely going to make it hard if you don't have folks to lean on. For sure. For sure. Um, I Go for it. And I, I, I say L.A., you know, it's funny that you say L.A. versus New York because New York is already. Like it. It is very community based, right? Like, you know, um, because you know each other, you hang out. It's smaller. Mm-hmm. It's not as spread out. Whereas mm-hmm. when you come here, it's just like you said, like. You have to be like, hey, 
hey, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. Hey, ho, ho, me, me, me. Uh, you know, don't forget, I'm still here. I'm like, I'm going to survive. Like, I'm still, you know. Um, so I think that's why it's so much more important out here. You know? Totally. Absolutely. Um, because, um, yeah. It's hard. It's you hard really without your people. Yeah, without your people, get your people, hold your people tight, do right by your people. When you get on whatever that looks like, if you get a gig and you know you need an assistant, put your friend on, throw your friend a bag real quick, cut cut her part of your check. You know, if you're getting some free stuff from a brand and you know your friend needs the thing, get get your friend the thing. Do what you can with what you have. Um, because it's definitely levels. And, you know, I will say one of the greatest lessons that I have learned in being a human, being a mother and being a creative person um, is that you never know truly. And I know my mother said this to me, but I didn't understand it until I had to. You never know who is going to pull through for you because Mm. it's almost always the unexpected person, the mm. the random, seemingly random woman you met on the panel that, you know, every now and again, you like her posts, but then you run into her and then she pulls through for you in a big way. Or, you know, who who's going to help you when you have your baby? Maybe it was like the girl you used to party with every now and again. And then all of a sudden she steps up and it's like, girl, let me come over and make you breakfast at your house. You just don't know. And mm. it's just always um, important to be good to people, not just because you may need them, because it's just important to be good to people because we need that. Um, Definitely. Definitely. You know, I, and, I go for it. No. Yeah. And and uh, you're saying that and I'm, you know, you mentioned um, the Underground Museum, Karan Davis, um, Anya, AJ, like those are Arthur Jaffa. Those have been people that you know, we kind of, um, we all kind of came up together, like me and Karan had, you know, we're young moms and, you know, really just like helping each other. Like, especially when you're a mother, it's so important to have your community, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't, like, yeah, like you need, you can't do it alone. Um, even if you think you're, you have a partner, you still need another community outside of your partner. That's just for you, you know, um, just for your support mentally and just all the way around, you know, it's just super, super important. And, and I, I didn't, I don't give enough props to my, my, my sisters, uh, my community of moms. They really like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them, you know? And, um, yeah. And that's why we got to just uplift each other. Uplifting stick together. For sure. sure. (laughs) You know? Um, yeah. I think, um, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't, we didn't talk a little bit about your really wonderful son's, Um, because it's also not often if, uh, no, I have, um, Latham Thomas is a mother of a teen, but I don't ever get to talk to moms of teens. So Mm. I'm really excited about this. Um, I saw on, uh, Buffy Beauty Supply Instagram, uh, for Mm -hmm. Mother's Day, you had your sons, uh, speak about you. 
And yeah. I was just like, oh shit, what are they gonna say? I was like preparing to cry because what what a also what a really incredible thing to be able to look back on. Um mm-hmm. I just want to talk a little bit about that. I know Solomon uh, said she gets things done and doesn't wait for anyone else to do it for her. And uh, Ishmael said she's very loving, caring, and always expressive about her feelings. You always know what she's thinking. Mm. <laughs> what What does that mean? <laughs> Well, anyone that knows me knows how true that really is. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, it, yeah, uh, having teenagers is is really amazing um, and sad and scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I was fortunate, like as as awful as this pandemic has been. I think it's been really good for my boys. I can't speak for all teenagers um, because, you know, I got to have them close with me. We got to really just connect. And I know if we didn't have that time, you know, definitely like when the boys were in middle school, you know, you have to kind of let go a little bit. Like I was very, when, when my boys were young, like elementary school, I was like, I was there. I was like in all their knew all the teachers. Yes. I cheered. I knew the principal, like, Oh, uh-uh, you're not calling out my black son. Okay. That's uh-huh. going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> and they knew. Here comes Sergeant here Mama again. You right. Here like, she hey, comes. But- let, let's let they're fine. Let's let them go. We don't want to have to deal with mama. Like, no, you don't. So, um, so, but by the time they got to middle school, I, you know, felt like I could let go a little bit. I feel, I felt like they really needed, um, a little more independence. And actually I brought this up with my, with Solomon, um, because Solomon, my oldest, we've always been super just, super tight, very affectionate all the time. And I remember like, even when he was like 10, 11, like people would be like, Oh my God, it's so sweet. He like loves on you so much. And you know, that's normally the time when boys start, like they're not as affectionate with their moms and they're just not Mm -hmm. necessarily affectionate at all, depending on their personality. But, um, but Solomon was still like very cuddly and, you know, um, you know, he leaned on me a lot and we leaned on each other. And so um, I remember telling him, you know, when he got, it was like the middle of sixth grade, I felt like he really needed to, I was like, and I told him and this, I don't know. uh, I, I told him actually like, not that we shouldn't be as affectionate, but that I wanted him to just be more, independent of me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember I told this to like another mom friend, I wasn't really close to her. And she was like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. That's like horrible. You're a horrible mom. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and when I said it, I, I definitely noticed he was like a little sad. He was confused. He was like, what are you talking about? You know, this is like, you know, I'm speaking and it's really, he's not necessarily mature enough to understand what I'm saying. Like, I don't even, some adults don't even know what I'm saying. Right. Um, right. And I did notice there was like, he did, he, he kind of like, all right, cool. And he just like 
hung out with his friends more. He wasn't as affectionate. Um, he didn't lean on me as much, but then he started figuring a lot of things out on his own. He, he was really into cooking. He taught himself how to cook. Like we used to bake together, but then he started figuring it out, you know, going Mm -hmm. online. Um, so I'm saying all that to say that I do think that it's really important to, to give your kids separation. Cause a lot of times as moms, you know, it's kind of selfish too, right? We're like, we yeah, don't, especially moms with sons. Is like, oh my God. It's amazing. Like who, who doesn't want that? Yeah. But I think sometimes, you know, especially when you have sons, you tend to do a lot for them and then uh-huh. they don't thing on their own and I started you know because I I've always worked with young people and I started working with like teenagers even and you saw the teenagers or young people maybe they're like 18 19 20 and the boys that just like their moms did everything they kind of don't know how to do shit they're kind of like ditzy yes. they're like oh, yes what? like you know? <laughs> aloof and, as hell <laughs> yes. yeah yeah I, I was like you know what I don't want my sons to be like that like I want them to like be because com- it's really confidence like yeah figuring things out whether it's like what to do on a homework assignment in middle school that you didn't get right I'm not going to fix it for you I'm not going to change the answers I'm a lot of moms do that it's like no Mm -hmm. you failed like watching your kid fail but then being there to help them when they need you and I think that's like really important to to remember that our kids are just humans and we want to prepare them to be the best human and not necessarily be the best person for us and I think sometimes moms we forget that and that's uh, the part That's that's the part. Um, I'm so happy that you said that, especially as a mother of a son, because even at three, it's something that I'm very conscious of. And I'm sure that being, um, you know, like a co-parenting parent, um, even more so there's more independence on Sergeant because like, look, is one of me. So (laughs) let's start talking about responsibility. Uh, Let's (laughs) let's figure out with that, the guilt, right? A lot of moms have Uh, guilt when they can't like do everything for their child. And it's like, girl, you don't want to do everything for your child. Don't feel bad. It will make them a better human. They'll know how to do stuff for themselves and they'll be confident in that. They won't look for a partner that knows how to do it. Oh, let me find a partner that can cook. Let me find okay. a partner that knows how to clean really well. Like yes. you notice that as you get, you know, in your like early mid twenties, you're just like, you know, people end up picking people based on what they think they need instead of yes. like, instead of yes. what they, what they want. Yeah, absolutely. I think about it all the time. God bless yeah. whoever walks in the door as Sergeant's partner. They better come <laughs> correct. Um, <laughs> Anyways, yeah. anyways, um, we've got to talk about what is coming up next for you. Now, I don't know how much we can get into it, but I know that you're going to be starring in a new HBO Max show. What can you tell us? When can we see you on TV? I'm so excited for this. Well, um, I'm not sure of the exact air dates. Uh, I was told potentially so the show is called the hype and um, i don't yeah i don't really know that much about you know yeah when it's coming out so i don't want to say and then it doesn't come out but it's supposed to come out in august 
um, or the end of summer. It's a uh, it's a competition series um, on HBO Max, and um, I am a co-signer. It's uh, it's very much along the lines of like a Project Runway. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Uh, it's different. It's it's supposed to be centered around streetwear, and it's me, Offset, and Marnie, who is a stylist. Um, Offset is a rapper. What a trio. And uh, yeah, and it, it was it was fun to do. Um, a little scary for me because it's the first time I've in a long time that I've worked on something that I had no control over. So that's why I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea what the <laughs> show is going to be. <laughs> so even promoting it feels weird because it's like, you know. Well, listen, um, we're practicing now because, you know, it's, yeah. it's rolling in. Once you're on TV, one of my favorite quotes uh, is from RuPaul. I might butcher the actual quote, but it's like, if you get an opportunity to be on TV, do it. Um, yeah. Do the thing. Totally. <laughs> no. So. Yeah, no. And I, I've honestly, it's something I've never really thought about doing. I've always been really happy to be behind the scenes. Um. But yes, being on the other side, you know, we had we taped like eight episodes and it was really I could see why people like being the talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so I get it. I get it. Um, and it, it also gives you a bigger platform. So that's exactly. why I did it. Um, I did it mainly because I was like, oh, I, you know, want to grow my platform to really just be um, just. A, a different type of black woman on TV, but we'll see. I don't know. I have no control over how they're going to edit me, how I'm going to come off. Um, we'll see. Well, listen, everyone who's listening to Cool Moms, everyone's going to come across this. We we got a great sense of who you are here. Um, so, and I know that this is like just a small ting in a bucket. So I'm just really excited to see you on TV. I think even the visual of someone who is beautiful and black, but also shows up in her own way um, mm-hmm. is going to be so important. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to watch. We need it. I mean, listen, folks who probably know Offset may not know Beth, but they're going to know Beth Burkett very, very, very soon if they don't already. Um, yeah. So th- that's exciting. Uh, I would love for you to stick around for our next segment. Ask a cool mom up next. Okay, so we have Nichelle, 41, from Nashville, Tennessee, and she's a social worker. We love that. Um, Nichelle, oh, this is, and this is perfect for you, Beth. Uh, Now that the world is opening back up, my teens want to get out with their friends. How do I establish boundaries while still giving them a sense of autonomy? Wait, say it again. She said, now that. Nichelle is asking, now that the world is opening back up, Mm. my teens want to get out with their friends. How do I establish boundaries while still giving them a sense of autonomy? Whoa, yeah, that's been really hard. Um, Well, I think this is actually the best time to teach them boundaries and... um, you know, we were fortunate. We have like a little quarantine circle 
um, that we had for the boys. But yes, um, it's hard because they want to go to basketball games. They want to hang out with their friends at the mall, um, you know, do teenage things. I would say, um, yeah, tell them, you know, make sure they wear their masks, set the boundaries, tell them what they, um, what they can and can't do. And this is the big test. Um, if this they is the don't big test, this is the big test. If they don't follow those rules, then obviously those, those boundaries get tighter and it's like, Oh, you know what? I can't, I can't let you do this again. You're risking mm-hmm. your life you know, whatever. Um, but I do think that's the thing that we're always having to do as parents is we, we have to take risks even for our kids. So um, scary as it is, you know, for us to like, let them just go out and, and we tell them what to do and we pray that they'll like, listen, um, if they don't, that's a lesson for us as well. Yeah. So what about curfew? Do you do curfew? I mean, that's what I mean. Setting boundaries. So giving them a curfew, like telling them like, hey, I want you home by this time. You have to wear a mask. Wash your hands when you get to a, you know, to a bathroom or to some water. Make sure you to keep your hand sanitizer. It's just like setting up the rules for them and making sure that they follow them as best as they can. Um, like so- my oldest son, Solomon, he is like, uh, learning how to drive. And uh, that's been the scariest thing for me. And especially Mm. like when we go on the freeway, um, I, I, at first I was like, I just don't even want to drive with him on the freeway. I'm going to just like, (laughs) and then I was like, you know, what? he's going to, he's going to be on the freeway. Like I need to do it with him. And it was just really scary. But you know, all you can do again is like, tell them the rules. They know the rules of the road. They know what to do. And then the rest is just, you know, it's just pure, like I pray and hope that they're, that they'll follow or that, you know, the world will give them grace that if they don't follow the rules or whatever, then they'll, hopefully the lesson won't be as bad as it could be. Right. Right. And that's really it. That's parenting. Right. Oh my God, Beth, my hands started sweating thinking about having a child that drives. Oh my God. (sighs) It's so okay. scary. Like I hold on to the, it's like being on a roller <laughs> or it's like, you just have no control. Like you can't like step on a break. You're just like, oh, you know, <laughs> and someone would be like, mom, like, please stop. You're making me feel like you don't, you, you know, you have no confidence in me. You don't trust me. And I'm like, no, I do. So I have to like hide all that. I have to be like, I can't right. be like, you know, right. Like, Jaw clenched, you know, that your <laughs> stuff too. When he's driving, if I'm feeling like scared, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then he might really be something scary. So, right. Yeah. Well, listen, bless yeah. us all. Bless all the parents with the teens. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. Beth, thank you so much for your time and your energy and your candor and your wisdom. I always love talking to you. I always learn something new. And I know that everyone else who listens is going to feel the same way. Um, so yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, until next time. Not 
like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. <laughs>